Hi everyone, this is Austin welcoming you to the LL Research Podcast in the Now, episode number 42. LL Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community, and towards this end has two websites the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. During each episode, those of us at LL Research form a panel to consider questions from spiritual seekers. Our panel consists of Jim McCarty, husband to the late Carla Ruckert, scribe for The Rock Contact, and president of LL Research, along with Gary Bean and myself, who are working hard to keep the mission of LL Research alive and well, each of us a devoted seeker and student of the Law of One. We intend this podcast to be a platform of discussion as we consider questions from spiritual seekers that often challenge us to articulate our own perspectives. Our replies to these questions are not final and authoritative. Instead, they are generally subjective interpretations stemming from our own studies and life experiences. We always ask each who listens to exercise their own discernment and listen for their own resonance in determining what is true for them. If you would like to submit a question for this show, please do so. Our humble podcast relies on your questions. You may either send an email to contact at llresearch.org or go to www.llresearch.org slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Austin, and we are embarking on a new episode of LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. You guys ready for episode number 42? Indeed. I believe so. Alrighty. Well, our first questions uh, come from Lily today, who sends in a few questions, and she starts by saying... I have questions about the Akashic Record and how it relates to a social memory complex. Ra teaches that social memory complex is quite rare in the third density, and we have not achieved it on Earth. However, we do have the Akashic Record, which is, uh, quote, the potential social memory complex of this planetary sphere, uh, unquote. And that's a quote from uh, 14.32. And uh, Lily's first question is... Uh, we are not yet a social memory complex, but some individuals have access to the Akashic Records, like Edgar Cayce. Uh, but does the Akashic Records serve the entire species on an unconscious level? Let's start with uh, you, Jim. What do you think about that one? Well, I imagine there is some sort of a service to the entire species, whether they're aware that the Akashic Record exists or not, in the same sense as everything that is unknown in the mysteries of our spiritual journey that lie ahead of us offer us this potential for expanding our awareness. As for the particular moment right now, I doubt if there's a lot of practical or one-to-one access or aid to any entity that's not aware of the uh, Akashic Record or does not attempt to retrieve information from it. It's like a, a book that's unread, and it's not really helpful until you read it. Gary, what do you think? Ooh, unread book. I like that. Um, yeah, my thought is consists mostly of conjecture, um, but in essence uh, echoes Jim's reply in that um, surely it must serve everybody, but it's not. It's, it's uh, mostly in potential. It's not being accessed or used on a conscious level. Uh, Ra describes several hierarchical orders of mind from the individual down to the individual's roots um, connecting to the racial mind, to the planetary mind, to the cosmic mind. So Akashic's a couple few rungs down on that ladder and uh, generally 
unknown to our conscious mind. Um, but like components on a motherboard, we're all plugged into that motherboard and it is on its level below our conscious awareness um, operating and maybe doing some coordination. And one way that it might be affecting us um, is on a species level, uh, perhaps having to do with the evolution of our physical body, um, perhaps uh, having to do with the uncanny way that nature balances the sexes between uh, male and female births so they're, that they're always, um, so they don't get too lopsided, they're always pretty close. And that's not a conscious decision that humans make, but it's, it's coordinated on some level uh, below our conscious awareness. So perhaps that happens on that level. That's about all I got on that one. Um, yeah, there's not a whole lot we can say, I guess. Uh, it's all speculation. Um, but I pretty much agree with you guys. I do think it has an influence on us on an unconscious level and that, uh, maybe there are events that have happened or certain uh, racial traumas or something that have happened in Earth's history that maybe will, uh, play out a little bit, uh, unconsciously and maybe that in influences our unconscious desires or actions or things like that. And um, Lily had actually, when she originally wrote this, gave an example that uh, I should have left in, but I edited her questions a little bit. And she talked about Ra appearing to the Egyptians, and Ra made a statement about that being now part of the social memory. Uh, and uh, things like UFOs showing up being sort of remnants, mm. uh, the thought forms of those UFOs being remnants of their time in Egypt and how that is sort of a, she speculated whether that was an aspect of the Akashic records. And I think that she might be onto something there too. Yeah. It's this repository just like an individual's unconscious is, but on a, a global level and therefore it has more um, outlets of manifestation and maybe even more mysterious than an individual's unconscious because it's that much deeper. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she's got a couple more questions. Any more thoughts for that one? Uh, nope. Not for me. Alrighty. Her second question come, or is, uh, once Earth transitions to fourth density, will the majority of the original Earthlings who incarnate elsewhere be able to access it? Or would a copy of the relevant portion of the record be merged into their new third density home planet's Akashic record? It's uh, another tricky question. Gary, what do you think? I think that's a fascinating question. And yeah, like the previous one, I have little to offer, but um, really interesting question to consider. I would imagine that um, the Akashic record follows an individual or a group to its new location in the universe. Um, how much of that comes with them? I can only speculate. I, um, but consider the various uh, origins of those who are presently incarnate on Earth. Um, Ra identified a few of those origins, uh, including Maldek and Mars and Deneb, among uh, uh, many others. I believe that the Akashic records of those former planetary experiences have come with those groups and have been retained in some way by those groups, but have um, 
merged into um, a greater tapestry of the Akashic record that is this planet's uh, uh, Akashic records. And perhaps there's even some, and I can only guess here again, perhaps there's even some compartmentalization between those former Akashic records um, relative to the new hole here on planet Earth. Ra described how it's been one of the sources of um, disharmony and bellicosity on this planet was the lack of cohesion, or I'm paraphrasing, but the difference between the groups. And perhaps that has something to do with their past, um, which would be stored in their respective Akashic records. Um, Also, another way that what I'm saying um, might be substantiated and even made visible on some level is the extent to which we on planet Earth now are repeating patterns that were um, exhibited on those former planets, at least according to Ra, um, specifically in terms of um, the warlike attitudes that destroyed um, Maldek and the lack the same warlike attitudes with um, lack of care for the biosphere that destroyed the atmosphere and all biological life on Mars and how those may be playing out today um, in new permutations uh, thanks to the advent of nuclear weapons, nuclear proliferation and the possibility of planetary annihilation that that brings along with the degradation of the environment and uh, global warming to the extent that that's linked to human activity and now the transition into fourth density and so forth. Um, and of course, um, our perennial issue with war among peoples (laughs) so maybe that's all echoes of or manifestations of those past akashic records coming or playing themselves out um, or influencing us today back to the host interesting answer jim any follow-up for gary's answer well i would agree with everything that gary said um i think that when these entities and groups of entities incarnated on earth they did indeed bring with them everything that they had been working on in their home planets because that's uh, what is their, really their karma. It's what they have to start from when they get here to try to resolve it, to balance it, and hopefully end up in, in forgiveness, which stops the wheel of karma. Um, Ross suggested that uh, the inability of these groups to merge together when they got here and to instead stay isolated in their own kind, with their own kind, has further led to the continuation of the warlike attitudes so that uh, we have it, you know, in in spades, shall we say, we have a lot of uh, warlike activity going on, have had for thousands of years on the planet. Um, I think that uh, when other groups have um, incarnated here, they've, they've brought that along with them, but they've also had to be influenced by what they found when they got here so that even on the subconscious level, there should be some melding occurring between their Akashic record that they brought with them and the Akashic record that existed here and that altogether the entire planet is making as we go through the uh, evolutionary process together. So I think that whatever chances there are of um, reconciliation of difficulties will probably begin first on the subconscious level because of the uh, recognition there of the, the past Akashic record experience and of what's happening on the current level. Austin, what do you think? 
Uh, we were all pretty much on the exact same page. I had uh, in my reply pretty much exactly what Gary said. Um, I think it was an interesting term to use saying so there might be com- compartmentalized because Don and Ra actually talk about that and uh, uh, Ra says that um, to identify one of these groups you would look towards their unique biases concerning interactions with other selves and definitions regarding the nature of the self and that basically these groups would share those things and they um, at least in the past have sort of been representative of certain regions or cultures and it might be harder to uh, pick that apart these days since we are much more um, a much more global society but in the past they were sort of isolated to their own regions in the world Uh, so it's an interesting thing to consider and a new way to maybe frame how to um, unify the earth and help form the social memory complex is to identify the various types of uh, social memory, uh, Akashic records that exist on Earth and find out what it is that makes them uh, so at odds with the other types of social memories that are here and begin to build bridges between them and unify them. And uh, that might be the hurdle that we have to cross to form a social memory complex is um, allowing those other Akashic records or social memories to meld into the greater Akashic record of Earth as a whole. So it's an interesting question from Lily, I think. Any more thoughts uh, from either of you? Nope. A uh, quick one for me. It occurred to me while you were talking that um, probably one of the primary... Uh, Jim described a, a merging um, between those different groups that happens on a subconscious level, and I'm sure that's where it begins. Um, but also, like on the outer level, I would imagine that one of the primary mechanisms for that merging is simply through the interacting of one group with another, um, whether through commerce or travel or cultural exchange, whatever the case may be, um, especially as the world becomes more globalized. But what occurred to me is that perhaps another means of um, bridging those distances and uh, enabling that merging would be for souls of one group to incarnate uh, in another group. For instance, um, two major groups that come to my mind are Europeans and Chinese, uh, where Europeans have kind of emphasized the individual and the material or external world. Um, Asians, let's say, um, have emphasize a more collective approach to life and more um, introspective, maybe even introverted. That's probably not the word, but introspective, we'll say. Um, Just in in broad strokes there, um, some of the different characteristics between those two groups. But say uh, one member of whatever the origin of the European group might incarnate in the Asian group and thereby um, facilitate that melding um the the european entity would retain its own um unconscious background its own akashic record and and however far back that reaches in the cosmos um from past third density planets but would also take on some of the characteristics or experience of the the chinese cultural group which i think points also to what why ra said what they said in Austin's quote 
that being that look not necessarily to the outer physical appearances but the um basically the mindset the way they relate to to others so even within say an asian group there could be one individual that has uh, great variance to the cultural context and that could come from the fact that they were not originally of the asian soul group just ideas it's like um, a wanderer light or something like that. Like a, <laughs> yeah. a local third density wanderer. Yeah. I mean, it's a really cool idea. I bet, and you know, thinking about that, it makes perfect sense. I'm sure that it happens. It might happen at the point when the individual is making decisions about their incarnation versus going through automatic incarnation because that seems like a very, would it be a very deliberate choice to attempt to uh, go through something like that? Because it is almost like being a wanderer and that you would be sort of in a foreign place uh, that is com- a counter to your uh, home ideals, sort of. Yeah. So that's a, that's a cool idea. Actually, um, from the work of Dr. Michael Newton and uh, Peter Weiss and others, uh, that does happen. That's uh, People incarnate into all different races and cultures and religions. So as Gary was saying, there would have to be some sort of a melding of their original experience as uh, whatever they were, you know, whatever religion or race or so forth. As they went to another one, there would have to be some sort of a melding and hopefully there would be some sort of a, a leveling and a harmonizing as that occurred. Hopefully. We will see that in the future. <laughs> um, righty. Well, that was uh, not Lily's last question, was it? No. Uh, Lily has one more question, and it is, in the February 6, 2016 channeling session, Quo said, The principal reason that wanderers have been allowed to incarnate is undoubtedly to raise the number of those which might meaningfully aspire to be harvested. But of almost equal importance is this preservation, continuation, and further flowering of the planetary consciousness. And Kuo then commended L.L. Reacher's channeling group uh, for doing such work. Since all events are recorded in the Akashic Record, is it safe to say that even in the worst scenario, say all the physical records like books, CDs, websites were destroyed, L.L. Reacher's work would still be passed on to the New Earth via the Akashic Record? And uh, I would like to thank Lily for the implied compliment in that, that she feels the work is worthy of uh, being passed on. Um, Gary, what do you feel about that one? I I would say definitely because uh, first and foremost, the work is awesome. So the (laughs) planetary mind would want to preserve it and not lose it. Um, I I would speculate that the answer is yes, not exclusive to LL Research's work, but the the sum of human knowledge um, based uh, almost solely on... Well, on this, the seeming um, likelihood of that, but uh, based almost solely on 20.8, uh, Don is asking about Dewey Larson's physics, and uh, Don says, was this entity, Dewey, then, did he bring this material through in his, in his incarnation for use primarily in fourth density? And Ra says, uh, briefly, this is correct. So um, s- s- even if um, all uh, material media is destroyed, Dewey's books, any of his 
CDs, anything on the internet is destroyed in the transition from third to fourth density. Still, his work is retained, probably, like you were describing earlier, in the Akashic Record. And um, Ra indicates that those physics um, will be used by and useful to fourth density entities. So, likewise with LL Research. And perhaps uh, another nuance to consider is that um, the more entities become the more third density entities rather the greater quantity of third density entities who become aware of any given piece of information the more likely uh, and more strongly it will be um, stored in the akashic record for future use in fourth and fifth and so forth densities that's it for me Uh, jim what do you think well, yeah, I agree with what Gary said. I think there are th- basically three levels of uh, backup, shall we say. And <laughs> the first would be uh, the entities that graduate into fourth density and have their home here in the positive sense on planet Earth will form a social memory complex that will have each of their memories added to it so that uh, surely, you know, in, in that grouping of people, there will be enough information from Dewey Larson and from every other philosophy that's ever been on Earth to be remembered. And then, of course, as Gary said, the Akashic Record uh, will have it uh, stored there, too. Then there's the great record of creation. I think that Earth probably has this little cubicle somewhere back in there <laughs> with our little Akashic Records. You know, you can a little minor galaxy toward the edge of the solar system. Yeah. So uh, I think we have a lot of backup, even if all of the third density representations of all of the information that's occurred over the last few thousands of years is destroyed by Earth changes or whatever. Uh, that we still have these three areas of backup for uh, maintaining all of our information intact. It's in the cloud, you might say. Yes. <laughs> and it'll rain upon us. It's like the cloud for the cloud. It's, uh, I don't have a whole lot to add. Uh, a personal opinion of mine is that these things, uh, it's not likely that the all of these things are going to be destroyed in any sort of transition Um whether these types of things will be useful in what Lily calls uh, the new earth um, is a different question. Whether we're still using computers and books and CDs to learn and share ideas. Um, And also in future densities, um, we might not rely on this type of information to learn. We'll have a lot uh, more direct access to teachers and direct access to information that we want and may do more learning more directly through the social memory complex and more directly through interacting with teachers and higher densities. So the uh, information itself I'm sure will be stored, but how useful it will be and how, why it would need to be accessed, uh, I'm not sure. So that's the last of Lily's questions. Any uh, more words for Lily? No. I have some more words. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it just um, expands upon what's already been said in a, in a slightly different way. And that's the notion that fourth density entities won't be born into fourth density with a blank slate. 
like having no history um, and nothing that they have brought with them. It will be a continuum of evolution from third density to fourth density, uh, evolution of body and evolution of mind. So that heritage will um, follow those fourth density entities. And that heritage will include probably newly revealed experience of um, second density. And if it's possible, first first density, I don't know. And um, another quick thought is the question of what of the outer effects, affects of our civilization, Earth's civilization, will be destroyed, what will make the transition. And it's a question that has um, boggled my mind because I can't find a satisfactory answer to it. Because it makes no sense to me that our, um, our buildings and roads and bridges and dams and um, every other artifact of our civilization would remain intact because there will eventually be um, a whole new crop of third density entities who take up residence here on planet Earth. And for them to begin existence when there is obvious evidence all around them of a, a former global civilization makes no sense. But then... Um, if it were all to get destroyed, by what mechanism would that happen? Because we've modified the planet severely to this point. Um, you know, you, one cannot disassemble the skyscraper and return all its constituent elements to their former uh, places. So there would be um, archaeological... Um, there would be material stored in the strata of Earth everywhere and um, thereby opening the possibility that the new third density civilization would um, stumble on it sooner or later and open the door to questions that they couldn't answer. And so um, that part of the transition to the fourth density makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, I mean, it's, it's sort of unrelated, but I feel like opening doors to questions that they couldn't answer isn't necessarily a bad thing i mean i'm sure that civilizations throughout earth's history have found remnants of other civilizations that they have no answers for and have no ability to explain and they create mythology around what they're finding and they have their own third density reaction to it and i'm sure that any new third density entities however many thousands of years tens of thousands of years in the future whatever they do find might have similar reactions to any civilization that has found earlier civilizations in our history. That's quite possible. And what you say is completely true that that has happened and continues to happen into the present day on this planet when things which can't be identified or explained are dug up from the past. But at the same time, that's all within this particular third density that a new third density completely unrelated to this one would find our artifacts uh, stumps me. But it could be exactly as you described. Alrighty. Um, I think we have time for one more question. Um, would you guys prefer to tackle Eng's question or Jeremy's question? Based on the amount of time we have left. Uh, um, I'd say Eng's because we have just a couple minutes and that seems like it'll be the shorter. Okay. Okay. Alrighty. Uh, a user named Engs from Bring Forth wrote, Hi, thanks so much for your free material. Also, thank you for always stating that what resonates with me is important. I really appreciate having my free will honored. I am currently putting time and effort into focusing on the balance of honoring the free will of all. 
my entity and the entity of others. Uh, thank you for that, Engs. Uh, Engs goes on and says, I have so many questions, but let me start with this one as I haven't yet found reference to it. Given that there is a non-linear quality to time, uh, time space, could someone potentially be contacted by an entity from another density that is presently carnate in this space-time? Your thoughts or channeling material that you can point me to are of interest. And I'm assuming what they mean from another density uh, is essentially meaning from the future of somebody who is incarnated in third density right now. So, uh, Jim, what do you think? Well, I think it's quite possible. I have no idea exactly how it happens, but we have some evidence in the raw contact where, uh, well, for example, our higher self, as Ross said, is moving towards us from a position in what we would call the future to help us, to protect us, to give us information, to guide us, and so forth. So that's kind of an, uh, an analogy there. But even better is what Ross said about entities from the octave before this octave and the octave <laughs> after this octave have contacted them. Now, the before part, Mm, I can kind of grasp that. But the after part, uh, aren't, <laughs> uh, they're, they're already <laughs> existing somewhere and it's not here yet. So, yeah, uh, mind-boggling as it is, I think that what Angus is suggesting is probably quite possible. It probably happens all mm. the time. <laughs> How about you, Gary? What do you think? Yeah, nothing much more to add except that... Um, you know, it's a it's a fun exercise that probably a lot of people have done when they reach a certain point in their life and they look back and they see um, a younger version of themselves. They see in their mind a younger version that they know has some struggle ahead of them. So they send a little um, thought capsule, little um, imaginary message in a bottle back to that earlier self. And you you tell your younger self, you know, stick through it. It's going to get better or um, take this road and not that road or something. But um, there are limitations to our experience that preclude us seemingly from being able to actually uh, get that message through. And I think those limitations presumably persist up to the point of mid-sixth density when it becomes available for the um, higher self to be created and um, by the seventh density mind body spirit complex totality but ignore that part for now um but up to the point of mid-six density when the higher self is created and somehow the door opens such that the higher self can move seemingly backwards in time to us if it is uh called upon and invoked so yeah that's um very imaginative exercise for me how about you austin what you said about thinking about your uh, past self made me think of a quote that I have read recently. It goes something like, um, your future self is watching you right now, just like you uh, can watch your past self. Mm. And I think that's a really uh, cool thing to think about. Um, but not necessarily exactly what Engs is referencing. I think Engs is wanting more concrete examples. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say exactly what the strictures of time really are, though, because uh, while it does seem like there is a nonlinear quality of time and time space, uh, Ra also says that time space is as complex and complete a system of illusions, dances, 
and pattern as is space-time and has a structured system of what you may call natural laws. So if we look at ourselves as being able to freely move about in our space-time and make that equivalent for freely moving throughout time-space, uh, we can see that there might be some kind of limitations on our movement in time, just like we have limitations in our movement in space. We can move about space, and potentially we could travel to the other end of the universe, but we it's very impractical. Uh, most of us normally only travel a few miles uh, most days of our lives. Um, many people never even travel to the other side of the planet, and leaving this planet is something that only a very few exceptional people have done before. So uh, we might have access to all of space within our space-time, uh, but we don't have access it's not practical to access all of it. So maybe it's similar in time space where uh, maybe once we evolve more, we have access to more, but we might be limited in the amount of time we're able to access in time space. We might only be limited to the uh, incarnations that we have experienced and maybe a little bit into the future or something. It's all just speculation, so I really don't know. Uh, but the only instance that Ra talked about this sort of thing happening is what Jim referenced in the higher self basically being a future aspect of ourself that we can interact with in the present. Um, but it's just such a hard thing for us to even consider that we can't really say anything for sure. And I don't know of any uh, other sort of channeling to point you to, uh, Engs, to learn more about it. Um, I'd say it's probably just a really fun thing to contemplate. That's all I have. Uh, any more thoughts? Um, one more little thought. Uh, Gary mentioned the mind-by-spirit-complex totality, which helps to create the higher self, which communicates with the mind-by-spirit-complex in third density. Then Ross said they're all the same being on a circle of being. Yeah, three points on a circle. <laughs> yeah. So, that's it? <laughs> yeah. It's hard to even think about. How about you, Gary? Uh, no, just to say that was an excellent illustration, the way uh, you related travel and space-time to um, the way it may work in time-space. But that's all for me. Thanks, Angs. Thank you for that. Uh, Jim, any final words for our listeners? We thank you so much for listening, first of all, and we thank you for sending in questions. We thank you for being there. We thank you for loving us, and we hope you will be aware that we love you very much. So let's all love each other and help bring each other home. You've been listening to LL Research's weekly podcast in the now. If you have enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thank you so much for listening, and a special thanks to those who submitted questions. If you'd like to send us a question uh, before the next show, please read the instructions on our page at www.llresearch.org podcast. New episodes are published to the archive website every other Wednesday afternoon around 1 p.m. Eastern time. Have a wonderful couple of weeks and we will talk with you then.